New friends, new opportunities, new partners, EG Tax. Hey everybody, this is the tax lady, Esther Golias from EG Tax, and we're we're inviting you to listen to our podcast. We're continuing the a podcast from last week where we talked about itemized deductions. And, of course, I'm joined in studio with Tiffany Fabian. Hey, Tiff. Hey there, Esther. Happy day to you. Happy day to you. And Christopher Fabian. Hello, Esther. Hello, Christopher. Hey, you know, we were ta- we kind of skimmed over last week uh, because we had spent so much time on uh, medical but going back, we're talking about itemized deductions, and we're talking again, so you don't have to. Hey, before, um, before, can can yeah. I just step on you really quickly? Don't forget to, um, if you want to listen to our radio show that we have every Saturday from three to four at AM nine thirty, uh, WBEN, and um, also we have thirty offices to serve your needs, and um, tax season is is racking up here, and pretty soon we would welcome to do your tax return. Um, you can call us at 716-632-7886. And then our producer here is reminding me, you can go to egtax.com and you can listen to all of our radio shows right on our website. That's correct. And the other thing is, um, just because you're out of the area, out of Western New York, we have an office uh, in Florida, one in Arizona as well. Um, you, with the internet, remote access it makes it feel like you're right next door to somebody. And that's what we do. We kind of have a specialty on doing taxes remotely and you can do it where you actually see the preparer, the preparer sees you and it's done extemporaneously at the exact time that you're sitting there. We're doing it right with you. We interview you. And I have to tell you, we have the fees. We have fees that are the lowest in the industry. When you do it yourself online with no guarantee that you did the right thing, you don't even know if you're right. You don't know taxes. It's about the same fee that we charge for a guaranteed with the tax professional tax return. And we can do all 50 states. <laughs> we were at the airport not so long ago. And I, my daughter and I and got in a conversation with somebody and her husband is a CPA. And she said during tax season, he works at from like five in the morning till one, one in the morning. My point is, is that you really become very proficient with tax law because you, it's in your DNA. You live it, you that's know? Right. And, and that's really what you want. You want somebody that can pivot a deduction. I'll give you an example. We were, t- we were talking last uh, podcast about state and local income taxes and foreign taxes. Foreign taxes are part of that, what is now 10000 which I think is going to be expanded, uh, SALT deduction. But you also can could take a foreign tax credit if it's beneficial to you. So if you're in the 37% tax bracket, Right. And you can itemize. Well, then that credit, uh, let's say it's a thousand dollar, a ten thousand dollar potential itemized deduction or a a credit. The credit might be better than the itemized deduction. And that's where you got to know where to take the deduction. That's right. Right. The eleven sixteen. That's right. 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 Okay. So let's we're we're moving on. All right. Let's refresh everybody. So we're trying to learn. If we can itemize, if we can itemize, our itemized deductions that we list have to beat the standard deduction. And the standard deduction last year was how much, Chris? 
a 12-4 for a single, 24-8 for a joint. And about 18000 for head of household. And that's, right. And that's going to go up a little. Cost um, of living. Right. In 2021. Um, also, back at uh, back again at state and local income taxes, real estate taxes are deductible, but they would be real estate taxes um, that you, in the year you pay them. So if you didn't pay the taxes, let's say from last year, and you double dipped and you paid two years taxes at once, it'd be deductible not in the year that it was assessed, but in the year that it's paid, correct? Right, right. And it has to be. And that's pretty much how tax law goes with everything. Right. And it it has to be taxes that you're responsible for. So if you pay your mom's taxes or your kid's taxes because last year they fell short because of COVID, um, you can't deduct them on yours and they can't deduct them either. Because they didn't pay them. And then right. also, and- I've been to an audit before. Don't forget, if you're paying back taxes and there's fines and fees, you cannot deduct the fines and fees. It's just the principal. Right. Now, the other thing with taxes, and I I feel like I did last, I'm doing last year, last week's show. <laughs> um, the other thing with taxes, let's say that you're buying a house and you're paying all the back taxes on an acquisition. Let's say somebody hadn't paid five years taxes, and so that it went into a REM auction. At, at that, those taxes aren't deductible as an itemized deduction. They go to basis, right? Correct. Yes. Which means what you paid for the house. Right. So if you paid 15000 for the house and 20000 in back taxes, your basis in the house is 35000 Right. Right. And that's then you don't get it until the, the credit until you sell it. OK, so now. Um, all right. Moving on. Itemized deductions we got would be um, interest that you pay and it would have to be personal home interest and investment primary home to acquire or to fix it. Right. Correct. Or your secondary home and some investment interest. That's it for deductible interest. Right. No credit cards. <laughs> no credit cards. So and even if you refinanced your mortgage, let's say with interest rates going so low, you refinanced your mortgage and took twenty thousand dollars out to pay credit card debt. And you now think that that interest is deductible on that twenty thousand. It is not. Because it has to be for home acquisition to acquire a home, to improve the home and its personal residence or vacation home. And that's it. It cannot be for credit cards to pay back taxes, nothing like that. It's absolutely limited to home acquisition and improvement, primary and secondary home. Yep, and I can't tell you how many clients who refinance and they think that you can deduct all the the points and the fees, but you you can't. If there's any loan originator fees, you have to divide it over the life of the refinance mortgage. So you just want to make sure that you pay attention to that. Well, except that, let's say that you when you um, let's say you did a refinance three years ago and the points were $3,000 and you've only taken $300 of it. Right. Then this year you did a re another refi and they charge you another three. So those $2,700 in points that you didn't get to take, you'd be able to take now. Right. Yep. Because you 
you got your refinance again. And there's where bookkeeping is really important because I can't right. tell you how many people just forget about that and don't take the deduction. Right. Or, now, or knowledge is let, power. Right, so your primary home, that's pretty easy. That's the home that you live in uh, as your main home, right? A secondary home would be your vacation home, right? Yep. But not necessarily just limited to your vacation home because what if your vacation home has wheels? Well, then you could also take that or, as long as there's home. a kitchen and a bathroom, then that's uh, on the table and something that you could deduct the interest on. Right. And so if your secondary home or is an RV, right, right, or a boat, and it has a potty, a place to sleep, and a place to cook, then the interest that you would pay on that would be deductible. Mm-hmm. Now, you, what's interesting on those kind of loans, they're at a my, much higher rate than on out of your primary main home that's attached to the ground, right? Yeah. So there's more opportunity for deduction there. Right. And you're right. only allowed to take two. So your main home and either an RV, a second home, um, a boat, but you cannot take your home, your RV, and your boat. You can only take two. So you have to figure out which which one you're paying the highest uh, payment on. It's interesting because one of my clients had a second home and an RV. But the RV loan was like $10,000 in interest they were paying. Wow. And and but on their second home, they only had two thousand in interest. So obviously, we took the deduction for the RV. Yep. yep, because as you said, those interest rates are usually much higher generally. Also, right. also, yeah. also, you know, this is going to sound a little bit confusing. Um, but where the property taxes were capped at ten thousand for interest paid on your mortgage, there's a cap of that too. Your mortgage can't be more and I, than a million dollars. And I know that sounds, well, that's, that's a lot of money. Who's Who has a house more than a million dollars? We were in well, Chicago over the weekend and houses are starting at 1.2 there. Yeah. A lot of California, them. you know, it, it it's happening Florida. across the, yeah, in Florida, it's <clears throat> happening across the U.S. So well, it, let's face it. I mean, even Buffalo, New York, yeah. some, where yep. our headquarters is, the it's it used to be a half a million dollar house. Oh, my gosh. But that's not so unusual now, nope. right? It is not. Nope, nope. And so you really want to dial that back and appreciate well, that. And, and then let me further dive into this. I mean, let's say that your primary home is is 500000 but your secondary home, your vacation home in Florida, is a million dollars, right? Right. I mean, it could be your second home is more, has a higher mortgage balance than your first home. Yep. Yep. Definitely. Definitely. I mean, you may not even have a mortgage on your first home anymore. That's true. So, but you got it. And then it doesn't mean if your mortgage is more than a million, you lose it. You have to figure out how much interest is paid on that million dollars. And you have to prorate. That's exactly right. Now, MIP, mortgage insurance premiums, those ex- those expired in 2020. So, again, we don't know what they're going to do for 2021. But if you, in the past, uh, had uh, adjusted gross income of less than $100,000, um, 
uh, Meyer Trolling Joint, then you could take your mortgage insurance premium as a deduction for itemizing as well. Now, that is supposed to sunset for 2020. We don't know if they're going to, at this point in time, uh, expand that, but that's something you want to keep track of. Yeah. And so mortgage insurance premium was something that came about really after 2008 and 2009, the mortgage bubble. And that's insurance in case you default on your mortgage. And so I think you have to have that insurance until about 80% of the loan to value of your home is satisfied. And some clients have told me that every, you have to have it for the continuation of your mortgage. No, it's like for the first five years. Okay. Anyways, pay attention to that. Right. That's for sure. All right. Now, the other thing is um, investment interest. What would that be? When do you see that? That's when you borrow money to invest money and to finance ventures. So that's when you, <clears throat> so you, you, I was doing a client's tax return the other day and I was reviewing it for a mortgage broker. And I noticed that a guy had a whole mess of investment interest that he was deducting, but he had no investment income. So <laughs> I scratched my head and I was like, well, one plus two doesn't equal one. And so where's the rest of the equation? And so lo and behold, he had done it wrong. Right, right. And that's called margin interest. And you borrow, it's you're borrowing money from your broker to do right. this. And so you have to have the interest, dividends, and short-term capital gains. Up. If you have long-term capital gains, that doesn't qualify because you're getting a reduced rate. So they're not going to give you a, a double a double savings. Right. So so this would be a deduction for investment interest is limited to the net investment income, just like what Chris and Tiffany were saying. And the property has to be held for for investment. And that includes a property that produces income that's not in trade or business. Why would that be true? Well, a trade or business is a Schedule C. That's so, exactly right. So that's or a different thing altogether on the tax right. return. So investment interest would be for those investments that you're buying. But if you had interest tied to your business, then that is not going to be limited to net investment income, is it? Interest tied to your business is going to be deductible no matter whether you have a, a profit or loss. That loss would be deductible if it's tied to your business, right? That's right. right. Okay. All right. So that's kind of a thumbnail sketch of uh, deductible interest that you'd be able to take as an itemized deduction. All right, then you move on to charitable deductions, charitable contributions. We talked at the beginning of last week's podcast about people that give money to um, oh, what it, uh, go fund me. Go fund me. So it's got all charitable deductions in order for it to be deductible has to be a qualified 501 C three, right? Yeah. Sure. And so GoFundMe is not a, a charitable 501 C three. So if you're giving money to Laura's so she can have her pancreas removed or something, that wouldn't be deductible. It has to be through a, a qualified 501 C three charity. Now, some charities are, not for profit, but are not deductible. What might that be? Uh, the Republican Party, the Democratic Party, uh, the the political NRA, um, right? Or, or may, well, any kind of a political not for profit. Right. If you're exercising, um, if you're trying to in, in 
enhance somebody to do something from a political standpoint, then it wouldn't be deductible, right? right? It has to be strictly for, not for personal use, it has to be for that altruistic endeavor that you feel strongly about. Yeah, and now <clears throat> there's a lot of people you could do a direct charity rollover from your required minimum distribution to a charity. And so that is a situation where that would not be deductible. But the nice thing is it wouldn't be taxable. So yeah, you just want to pay attention okay, to so those nuances. Let's talk about some qualified charities, churches, mosques, temples, synagogues, religious organizations, boy, boy and girl scouts, uh, Red Cross Care, Goodwill Salvation Army, fraternal organ, uh, orders if the gifts are used for qualified charitable purposes. So usually fraternal organizations wouldn't be deductible. However, if the charity is, if the fraternal organization is doing something for Boy Scouts of America or for the Red Cross or some 501c3 charity, it'd be deductible. Uh, war veterans groups, nonprofit schools, colleges, museums, hospitals, and organizations trying to find medical cures, Federal, state, and local governments, its gifts are solely for uh, public purposes, including non-for-profit volunteer fire departments, public parks, facilities, and civil defense organizations. All right. Wait, wait. I want to go back and put an asterisk (laughs) next to schools. Tuition doesn't count. Oh, hello. That's right. (laughs) Because I could see people going. can go to college. Yeah, your kid's gone to college and you think you can write it off. No, it's not a charitable. All right, so what's non-qualified? These would not be deductible. Country clubs, lodges, fraternal organizations, uh, uh, civic leagues, social sports clubs, uh, labor unions, uh, chambers of commerce, political organizations and uh, and candidates, uh, homeowners associations, and foreign organizations, which are so important that you understand. If it's a foreign charity it's not 501c3 right right right. also that doesn't mean that it can't be a 501c3 in the united states and they're giving money to a foreign organization right but they have to be a new uh a a u.s uh charity right and also the the um the the 50 50 tickets the basket raffles uh, you know things like it's that gambling. is gambling right. that right. is not charity yep. very good point right now if you say i'm going to take a charitable deduction and remember you can take it as an itemized deduction or you can opt if you're married joint to write off as an adjustment, either 300 if you're single, 600 if you're married filing a joint return for 2021. And you say, well, that's because I always drop cash into the basket. How, how does that work? Nope, that doesn't work. You have to have a backup and you have to have a proof. And so the cash, regrettably, is not something that you're entitled to take the deduction because you have no way of, of verifying Proving. and validating. Proving. Yep. Right. So cash. Cash for charity doesn't work. Like Tiffany says, you have to be able to uh, substantiate it. All right. But there are some non-cash deductions that you can do as well, right? Yep. 
There are such as things, clothes that you give to Goodwill, Salvation Army, or you could donate a car or you could donate a boat. And so those are non-cash items that would be deductible. Now, if it's a car, there was recently within recent within the last eight to 10 years, a new ruling. If you donate a car to the Salvation Army, you cannot take the deduction and let, until they turn around and sell it. And then you have proof for, of what they sold it for, or if there's a letter verifying that they're going to use it for in-house purposes. And so then that's the time that you're ready to take that deduction. Right. Oh, and then you're also entitled to, let's say that you uh, do meals on wheels and you're a volunteer. You can take your volunteer mileage, right? You can. Right. Right. At 14 cents a mile. So for meals on wheels, for coaching a little league team that you're not getting paid for, you know, that's the big thing. It's volunteer. Um, Your services are non-deductible. So if you say, oh, I usually get paid $50 an hour to do something like this, you can't claim that $50 an hour. You get to do your mileage and your supplies. Now, let's say that your church your church is going to be part of a convocation in Atlanta, Georgia. And they say, Chris and Tiff, we'd like you to be our delegates. That's deductible, right? If you go as a delegate for your church to right. a qualified uh, convention. Yep, it is. So then you can, deduct, you can deduct your travel. And don't forget, um, you know, we were talking about medical there. You have to super exceed 7.5 if you're adjusted gross income for 2020. But for charity, there is no limit that you have to reach over. The only thing is there's a phase out if you give more than 50% of your adjusted gross income for the year. Right. Now, all right. So now let's say the pastor wears a clerical (laughs) collar and a black suit because he's a priest. Is that deductible? No. Well, if you're doing a pastor's tax return as a business expense. Well, but the cost and upkeep of a uniform that is not suitable for everyday use is deductible. Right. So, I mean. If he's, if, is he getting paid? If he's getting paid, he's not volunteering, so it wouldn't be deductible as a charity. This would be if you're non paid uh, minister. Right, right, right. Yeah. Right. Like, for instance, if, if, uh, you're a delegate and they like you, everybody to go in a certain kind of, like a habit of some type. Or maybe a Burkhoff type, and you're you're a volunteer, then it'd be deductible. That's right. That's All right. right. All right. So that kind of is a well. It, oh, I know. Before we leave this topic, though, let's say you're giving non-cash contributions. You know, clothing, goodwill, something. Right. How extensive record, record keeping do you need? <laughs> Chris and I have been on many audits, and it is tossed out, or they can toss it out if they don't have pictures. Um, uh, and itemized list. An itemized list. And so very detailed, very, very. Okay. Detailed. And then here's another one before I leave charity. Um, let's say that your, your dad bought Apple stock uh, for $10,000 and it's now worth 400,000. And he says, I'd really like to give that as a charity charitable deduction. How much of a deduction would he be able to get if he gives the whole thing? 400,000. Ain't that something? Yep. That's a lot of money. And he doesn't have to pay tax on the growth. 
Right. So on the $400,000 gift, if he's in the 37% bracket, let's say 40% between states, he saves 16000 in taxes, right? Right. No, he saves 160000 in taxes on $400,000, uh, giving appreciated stock that he didn't pay taxes on. That's so that's right. a kind of good move, right? It is. Okay. All right. So we have talked that. about many of the itemized deductions. We still have uh, casualty losses and gambling, uh, gambling losses. Uh, and we'll talk about that on another podcast, right? Yes, we will. We okay. Will. So till, till next week, I'm Esther Golias, the tax lady from EGTax, egtax.com. Uh, by the way, if you have questions, you can email us through uh, ask the tax. Or lady if you get a letter, website. don't, don't pay it and have us look don't at the letter. Get letters, don't pay it until you let us talk, uh, uh, look at it. And by the way, there's no charge for us to help you in that, uh, in that, uh, vein as well. So I'm Esther Villiers, the tax lady with Tiffany Fabian, Christopher Fabian. Have a great week. We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening. New friends, new opportunities.